We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Indiana, home of Pacers basketball. Miller for three, and he got it. Legends have been born. Miller retreats to the three-point line and hits again. Memories have been made. Caliburn, a deep three for the lead. And Great basketball has been played. Nembhard away. Hits the three and the buzzer. In 49 states. It's just basketball. Flips it to the big fella, fake shoots, and But this, this is Indiana. And you're listening to Setting the Pace. Let's go! Your go-to Pacers podcast. Setting the pace with Alex and Fachi. Alex and Fachi. Alex and Allison. Setting the pace with Alex and Fachi. Alex and Fachi. Alex and Allison. Setting the pace with Alex and Fachi. Alex and Fachi. Alex and Allison. Setting the pace with Alex and Fachi. Alex and Fachi. Alex and Allison. We got Pacers hooping. Let's talk stats. Hot takes. All fast. New topics. Updates. Three pointers. Fast breaks. We keep scoring. We don't need to stop. New episodes. Weekly drops. This your number one podcast. Hooping every team. We gon' need a mop. Setting like the pace with Alex and Fachi. Alex and Fachi. Alex and Allison. Setting the pace with Alex and Fachi. Alex and Fachi. Alex and Allison. Setting the pace with Alex and Fachi. Alex and Fachi. Alex and Allison. Setting the pace with Alex and Fachi. Alex and Fachi. Alex and Allison. All right. We are back for part two of the Pacers Group Chat Podcast. Carson David are here with me to talk more about this Pacers team. So, Carson, I'll go to you first on today's uh, part two. We're going to talk about Ben uh, Ben Mather and, and Jairus Walker. And this is a really interesting question to me because we have seen one guy play a lot and one guy not play at all. And so it could be a really simple answer, but I would like to you know dive into a little bit more. Um, if a team is asking for one of those two guys in a trade, who would you rather have long-term? Who would you be more willing to give up on? Long term, I want to keep Ben. Uh, not only do I just like, I love him so much. He's so much fun to watch. And I really do believe in him. I think when, as a franchise, when you select a guy, especially in the lottery and you believe in him, I think you kind of, you have some buy-in more than just the asset. It's like, at the end of the day, the people who make that selections, it's like their, their reputation is also kind of on the line with the guys that they select and the guys who they really put their trust in. Um, but long term, I really like Ben uh, Benedict Matherin a lot. And sure, you can argue the fit here in this conversation. You can bring up a lot of fair points about Jarris maybe being the long term answer to a lot of the current needs that we see on this team. 
Um, but at the end of the day, uh, you need talent and you need stars to win in this league. And I think uh, Benedict Matherin has shown for, uh, just far too many flashes of that potential to ignore and then just part ways with prematurely. Um, I think that a lot of times, like Pacers fans uh, and really NBA fans in general, but especially Pacers fans because of the Kawhi Leonard thing, I always hear the, oh, what if we never traded Kawhi? What if we would have kept this person? Um and all these hypothetical scenarios, and I kind of always just revert back to the thought of like, you're never gonna, you're never gonna see what happens in those what if scenarios if you're constantly just giving up on guys for something that you think might be a, um, more enticing in the moment. So, long term, I'm really high on, uh, really high on Matherin, and that's all those things. Not, not he's shown a lot of it. That's not even to mention his absolute killer mentality and his insane work ethic. Um, and then when a when a guy just has the tools that Benedict Matherin has and he's willing to put in the work to be great, that's a that's a recipe for success. So I'm I'm really buying stock uh in the in the Benedict Matherin train. David? Man, this question, if it was about three weeks ago, it would be closer. It'd probably still be the same answer. If this was a month or you know, sorry, like two months ago, it might be a different answer. Um Right now, it is like slam dunk Benedict Matherin. Like, yeah. no question. He's the one that I want to keep um, if I have to give up one of them. And a lot of the same reasons that Carson said. For me, it's a matter of, like, Jairus, we, I, I, at this point, for Benedict, it's almost like I'd be surprised if he never got better. And even if he stays where he's at now, he's a proven starter-level player. Like, he's going to be a rotation-level player, uh, you know, even on a really great like uh, uh, like championship level team, he's probably going to be your seventh or eighth best player at worst. Like that's what he's proven he can do, right? Um, whereas with Jairus Walker, yeah, he has these variables that you're like, man, these things could really fit our team perfectly. These things could be huge needs that we that he could fill for our team. Um, he also could just not be that good. Um, We've seen flashes of of just like fantastic play, but it's always been in uh, lesser competition, right? Summer League and G League. And we've seen players dominate, absolutely dominate in the G League that can't get in on an NBA rotation. So I'm never going to look at that and be like, man, this guy has got to be in our eight-man, nine-man rotation. Like he has to play. Like yeah. that is not correlate like the evidence doesn't correlate every time now do i think that he could definitely get some minutes in i think that like he he could and I, I would like to see him play a little bit more than he does I'm not saying he should never play and he should just ride the bench and play in the g league but we don't know exactly what they're seeing in practices and also we know that they've talked about the team has talked about trying to make a con consolidation trade a consolidation move and i think that if they do that then Jairus will be able to get some more minutes. But right now, he's just a mystery box, and fans love to be like, yeah, he could be all these things, and all, and they only look at the bright side. They don't look at the possible negatives, and they just think that, well, if he's not playing, it must just be because Rick Carlisle's a jerk. Like, maybe Carlisle sees these huge flaws that he has, and they don't want to risk losing these games. I mean, we're riding on a high from these wins, but how many of them 
at different points in the game were like on a razor's edge. Even the Bucks win, it felt dominant. The last two Bucks wins felt like we really controlled the game. But there are several moments in the fourth quarter where like one or two things change and we lose those games. Mm-hmm. Those were like they felt like we had control, but there's moments where it could have all flipped on its head. And if you have a Jairus Walker and they're making a couple mistakes, that could be several wins that you're just throwing away. And I get it. Like, it, you, know, you know, I'm not saying we have to like hunt for every single win and we need to try to finish, you know, fifth, fifth over sixth, and like that'll matter. But you don't want to just give away wins either. You can't have it both ways. You can't be like, we have to develop, we have to develop, we have to develop, and also be like, yeah, but we have to make the playoffs. And like, yeah, yeah, we can do, we can do both, but it's a very, very, very hard balance. And so I don't envy any of the coaching staff trying to balance that out. I really, really don't. So that's a long way of saying Benedict Mathern, I think is, I mentioned it in part one, is the guy that I think on the team, besides obviously Halliburton, I think has all-star potential. The Pacers love, and if anybody wants to go back and listen to any of the episodes I've ever been on with Alex, you know, freaking love miles turner the pacers love to be like miles turner vote for him for an all-star the guy probably will never be an all-star and that's just fine benedict matherin though i wouldn't be shocked if he's an all-star in two or three years like i think he has that potential jairus walker we just have literally no idea what he could be so it's not even a hard question especially with a tear that matherin's been on the last several games the last week or two he's just upped it a notch and I can't get I can't get over him just talking trash to Dame Lillard and then just like busting a three. Oh, I'm just like, give me more of him. Give me more of Matherin. And yeah, that's and all, it, all that stuff ahead. with Ben. Uh, all that stuff with Ben. He is 21 years old. Yes. And, and he is 21 years old through the end of this season, through most of the like through almost. I think his birthday's in June. It's, yeah. Uh, it's so, yeah. So he's so he's 21 years old. Throughout the rest of this season, and he was 20 throughout his rookie season. And I think a lot of times, like I've seen a lot of people get frustrated with him, understandably so. There's times where he might have a possession that doesn't look good or his decision making might be suspect at times. But it's he's so young and even comparing him to which I, I hate to compare guys on our own team and like pit them against each other. But I look at a guy like Andrew Nembhard, and I love Andrew Nembhard. I love what he brings to this team. He's, I think, turns 24 like in J- this month, actually. Yeah, yeah, he's yeah. two and a half, almost three years older than Benedict Matherin is. And so that's not an indictment on Andrew Nembhard whatsoever because he has surpassed expectations by miles. Oh, yeah. Um, but it, it's just to show that Benedict Matherin has so much time and so yeah. much room for growth. And even I think a lot of people maybe had uh, unfair expectations of him going into this season. The addition of um, Bruce Brown didn't certainly didn't give him more minutes. Um, <laughs> his his usage rate, Ben Matherin's usage rate is down, but almost all of his other efficiency numbers are up. His three-point shooting is up. His uh, field goal percentage is up. Free throw percentage, I, I don't know it off the top of my head, but I think that's up too. He just looks a bit, like a very much improved basketball player all around and I think Alex you mentioned it in one of your recent episodes but his attitude just I can see a second year guy coming off of a strong rookie uh showing in his first year I could see how it would be frustrating kind of uh one not even starting last year starting a couple games but not being the starter to uh, begin the season last year and then feeling like he earned the starting spot coming into this year technically losing that starting spot but through all of that he hasn't 
Uh, he's been a great teammate from what we've seen from him and has had a great attitude, responds uh, to what to Rick's coaching. And all of that is just um, makes me really, really buy into the player that he can become. And, and just to address, because like I'm sure some fan that some someone that just loves Jairus Walker and wants to see him play is thinking like you can make the same argument for Jairus Walker. He's over a year younger than Mathur, and he has even more time. Like yes, but again, like as we've already said, you, we've seen a year and a half proven track record from Mathur, and that he belongs in a rotation. And we just haven't seen any of that yet from Jairus Walker. And the, the reason why those of you that are, are big fans of Jairus Walker and really want to see him play. That the same feelings that you're feeling is why I said I didn't want to trade him in part one for Siakam. You know, I, I would like to keep him, but if it's an either or, I'm going with Ben. Yeah, and and it's and it kind of you know re- reminds me of this idiom: better the devil you know than the devil you don't. And sure, you're not yeah. calling either of them devils, right? But we're we're trying to sit that's here to just kind of that's the expression. Yes, <laughs> we're we're trying to just sit here and lay it out, and it's not really that hard of a conversation to have, right? I, I think anybody would be dumb to say that they th- they'd rather have Jairus Walker than Ben Matherin. At this point, not having any idea what Jairus Walker can be like in the NBA. You saw Ben Matherin in his rookie year, I think, averaged 16 points a game. That's hard to do. The guy has a special talent. Yeah. And you don't hear Chad Buchanan go on, you know, summer league uh, or, yeah, summer league basketball halftime shows or whatever and talk about how if there's anybody on this team that's got a competitive edge to be great, it's Ben. I think that Tyrese actually has that. But the problem is Tyrese is so smiley and happy all the time that his killer instinct doesn't come across as like ruthless, where Ben's kind of a ruthless guy. Like, you know, but but even you were talking about David, when he was looking at Dame, he just got oh. this big smile on his face, like just the he sinister knows, smile. Like, OK. And honestly, he relishes in those type of environments, those type of moments like he's not yeah. afraid of the big game. And I and I love that about Benedict. So, yeah, like I, I would love to say, well, Jairus, obviously makes more sense because it's a position of need. You need a power forward long-term. That is really the only argument that you have against Ben here is that you do not have your long-term power forward position solidified with, mm-hmm. you know, OB Toppin kind of being in and out of the rotation uh, in terms of the starting rotation. And then you're playing Jalen Smith at the starting four, which to me is not a long-term solution as much as I have enjoyed Jalen Smith and going Aaron E. Smith is obviously too small. So there is a lot of room where you can say, hey, Jairus could be the starting power forward for this team. But you you brought it up, David. It, you know, Carlisle is not an idiot. He knows what he's doing. He's not keeping Jairus out of the rotation because he's just being a dick. No, he's doing it yeah. because he is trying to develop this young player into somebody that can be really good. And that's why you're seeing a guy like uh, Ben Matherin go from being a starter to going to the bench. And, and just the way he has developed so much has been huge because I just look at the fact that he had this huge game against Milwaukee at the very beginning of the season as a starter. And like, you're thinking, okay, if he can do this, like he had that big steal and that block on Giannis and you're like, oh man, if he can just string together some more games like this, wow, watch out, taking over in year two. And then he kind of has like two or three weeks where he struggles after that. And the last couple of weeks, he has really been more consistent in what he's being asked to do. And he's grown as a defender. He's grown as a passer. His catch and shoot ability has gotten better. And that's all part of developing. So anytime I hear anybody say, man, I can't believe Rick's not playing Jairus. They're not trying to develop the youth. What do you think they're doing with Ben Matherin? What are they doing with Andrew Nimhart, Obi Toppin, Jalen Smith? All these guys are still developing. Yeah. They're not developed yet. Tyrese is still developing. Isaiah Jackson. 
Yeah, Isaiah Jackson. Thank you. There's so many guys. I mean, almost all of our team. <laughs> Aaron Neesmith. I mean, look how much he has grown from last year to this year. Everybody is developing because they're so young, and you don't have time to experiment with every single player on the roster. And Carlisle tried to give everybody a fair warning at the beginning of the year on the radio. He said, look, he's probably not going to be in the rotation for a while. Don't want to disappoint anybody, but that's just where we're at with this team. And so, yeah, you want to see him get more reps, but I think utilizing him in the G League when he's not getting consistent minutes in the Pacers rotation is a great way to handle his development because he's getting reps still. And it's not taken away from, oh, you're just going to ride the bench. He's not pulling a TJ Leaf or TJ Leaf was declining going to Fort Wayne to, to play with the Mad Ants saying that he was too good for that. No, he's embracing it and, and he's playing very well for them. So, you know, I, I think that there's a lot to be uh, excited about with Jairus Walker. You know, he's a really good player based on what we saw in college, but we have yet to really see it translate to the NBA yet where we've already seen Ben make drastic strides uh, this season. So I, I have had my concerns about the fit with Ben and Tyrese together. I would like to see a little bit more of a sample size with that before I can fully buy in, but I'm going off uh, at least some sample size with those two compared to absolutely zero with Jairus and Tyrese. So Carson, I know you're chopping at the bit to get in here, but uh, that's just where I'm at with everything. Yeah, no, I think there's an important nuance to the conversation of young of the development of young players that a lot of times goes unnoticed or un, that's not talked about a ton. And that's just that growth, especially in the NBA in the first couple seasons, is not always linear. I think a lot of times we see guys like Jason Tatum or Devin Booker or some of like the recent guys who come into the league and come onto the scene on teams and they've kind of been given the keys uh, to the to the Ferrari right off the bat, and then they go off and they get high usage rates and they get to shoot. So, and they're on this stage where they get to clearly showcase everything that they have to offer. But if you look at guys like like think Scotty Barnes last year, he really struggled last year, uh, but this year really bounced back after that uh, rookie of the year and then a poor sophomore season showing. Think about even how Shangun has played this year, uh, really kind of taken in his third season, really. Uh, I think there was trade talk of, of, in the offseason where Houston was like, can can Houston even really put guys around him? Um, and then, and again, even even our very own Tyrese Halliburton, like who, who again, who would have guessed that he would have this showing out that he's had this season where he goes from a one time one time being in the all-star game to being I think one of the last uh, MVP polls that I saw had him at five or six um so that's just all to say that growth especially in development for these young guys in the NBA in the first couple season is not linear by any means and so sophomore season slumps whether it's Benedict Mathern or Jairus Walker are very that's very very normal and par for the course Mm -hmm. No, and I and I am right there with you. I think, I think just being patient is hard, especially with how everything is just like instant right now for everybody all the time with your cell phones. With if you want food, you can go DoorDash. You know, just instantly get it to your house. Like there's just everything has everybody has easy access to everything now, and so it's like you want to just see Jarius get this opportunity. But I think every opportunity is earned. Like there's a lot of young players. If you go back and look at like early 2000s, even late 90s, like where some of these higher picks don't even see the floor just because they're just not ready yet and coaches don't trust them. And it's it's tough because this is a team that is trying to find that balance of winning and developing, but they're doing a great job of, of mixing both together. And Tyrese's ascension 
has really just put this team on the map. So we're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. I want to keep it moving, though, because our last point that I wanted to talk about here and, and something that I think is really interesting is how confident do we feel in this core winning a playoff series as currently constructed? No trades made, but with who this team is right now, Carson, I know you kind of talked about it a little bit with the Eastern Conference not being as uh, strong, maybe, or as uh, solidified as they've been in previous years. But this group currently, go back to you, Carson. How, how far do you think they can actually go with this core? So to be totally honest, in terms of confidence level, I'm not super confident that we would walk away from a Boston, Milwaukee, Philly, or even Orlando based off of what we've seen series with how hot and cold we can be. Um, but while I'm not super confident that we would, I also kind of would sit back and just kind of think why not, or why couldn't we walk away from one? Mm-hmm. Um, I think that this Pacers team is a team that really no contender wants to see, especially round one, uh, just chasing them up and down the floor, playing at this pace and at this tempo could really make things frustrating for a top seed in a round one matchup, especially if that series gets closer to five, six, seven games, probably more like a six. I would have maybe think a six or seven game series um, just because we're with how again dynamic this team is there's I don't see us uh shooting sub 20 percent from three four games in a row um and so I think when they get hot so I think like if this team were were to get hot maybe benefit from some injuries uh, maybe the east sees another round one upset like we saw last year uh, maybe that favors the Pacers in a round two matchup after they have a good round one Either way, I don't see why you totally could just rule out even something as wild as an Eastern Conference Finals run like that fifth seed Hawks uh, team that we saw in 2021 or like Dallas in 2022 where those teams are kind of punching outside of their weight class. Or again, or even that, again, last season, I mentioned it earlier, but we saw an eighth seed Miami team upset the Milwaukee Bucks uh, in round one. So uh, you never know what can happen, and the East has had some generational choke jobs from Milwaukee, from Boston, from Philly since 2020. So a deep playoff run is something that I don't think you can 100% rule out with how unpredictable playoff basketball can be. Um, however, all that to say, at the end of the day, um, playoff basketball is very different than regular season basketball, and we 
really don't have a ton of rotation guys who have uh, played large roles in deep playoff runs. I know Miles has been there. Uh, Bruce obviously is coming off of a finals uh, run as a as a sixth man. But I think with uh, how young our team is, I think there would be uh, growing pains with that. And then I'm also um, really not sure how much our depth helps with a round one matchup like it does in the regular season. Um, this uh, this year, the Pacers are leading the entire league in bench scoring. And I just don't know if that's as much an, of an advantage uh, once you go from a 12-man rotation in the regular season down to more like a six to eight-man uh, rotation in the playoffs. I, I know we really have handed it to Milwaukee in the season series, um, but most of those games were kind of, David, like you mentioned, they're at tipping points that were on like a razor-thin margin. Um, but even all that being said, our bench outscored their bench. I think it was like 265 to 124. Yeah. Uh, so I begin to wonder what changes um, occur when Giannis and Dame are uh, in a season playoff team when they're locked in and those guys are playing 40 to 42 minutes a night instead of what they've been playing. So that I think it's important to not get too caught up. While I love this uh, regular season Milwaukee uh, 4-1 uh, series, regular season uh, lead, uh, I kind of always think back to that Joe Johnson, Deron Williams 2014 Nets team that swept the Heat in a uh, four-game season series, and then they lost in five games once the playoffs actually came. So you can't just assume uh, that um, things will always be the same from December regular season basketball to April, May uh, playoff basketball. All right, David, cheer me up a little bit more. Carson got me all sad there thinking about <laughs> Dame so, and Giannis for 45 minutes. I'm ready to cheer you up a little bit. So first, first point to cheer you up a little bit. Carson's talking about when Dame and Giannis play 40 plus minutes. Um, well, the Bucks, to be a little behind the scenes, we're, we're recording this on Thursday night. The Bucks just beat the Spurs. They needed Giannis to play 40 minutes and Dame to play 40 minutes to beat the Spurs. And they also needed Giannis to hit two for three from three, which will never happen again, probably his entire <laughs> career. So I, I'm just saying, like, the Bucks are the one weird team that I'm like, I don't understand. Some of these games, they should be, they should be so much better. The, the record is still pretty solid. I don't know. That's a whole other topic. So I won't get too far down that rabbit hole. My only point with that is like, they're still struggling and they're playing forty minutes. I mean, I don't know. The Bucks might just be a weird anomaly that could fall apart in the playoffs or could fall apart before the playoffs or or could right the ship and it could be like you said, Carson. It could not be a good matchup all of a sudden when they figure things out. Um, what I think in terms of the main uh, point, the main question conversation we're trying to have here, I think for most of the matchups, it's like roughly a coin toss. That, now, Philadelphia and Boston, I think it's not going to be good. I think as a five-game series, maybe six if we get a hot a game or two, but I think we lose those series. Um, and then the one that scares me, Carson, you mentioned it, is Orlando. Like I, That is... That is like a nightmare scenario to me of like the four or five or something like that. If they, you know, because they're they don't match up as well against other teams, but they match up so well against us. And I just don't have any confidence that we could beat them in a seven game series, even though I, I feel like we should have won at least one of the games we've played against them so far. Um, they're the ones that scare me. But anybody else, I mean, Milwaukee, Miami, Cleveland, uh, Brooklyn, Atlanta, all those teams in that area. New York is the one big question mark, but the other teams that I mentioned, um, I think it's like 
I could see us losing in six or seven. I could see us winning in six or seven. And it's kind of like a coin toss to me. It's kind of like, is everyone healthy? Um, has Matherin developed more? Has, you know, the, the, the core group and some of these teams like uh, Philadelphia or Milwaukee, have they figured things out and, you know, improved uh, the Knicks? Is this, is this, are they, they going to be able to develop some chemistry and figure things out? Or, is OG going to be unhappy? His, I mean, it's, it's obviously still very, very early, but his usage is the lowest it's been since his rookie year, and he won it out of Toronto because his usage wasn't good enough. So, like, maybe he's just going to be in his honeymoon period because it's a new location, and he won't realize how his usage has dropped. But what if something, you know, but what if, like, he starts getting unhappy and that falls apart, and then all of a sudden you're not scared of New York. It's just one more team to, like, be like, yeah, we're good. Um, but I, I, the thing is, is, like, if you told me... A, at the beginning of the year in January, David, you're going to feel like pretty solid against half of the East, like in terms of half of the playoff teams in the East uh, that I would not, I would say, I would like laugh you off the street. Like that's ridiculous. Um, I, you know, I wouldn't have been surprised at the beginning of the year if we were, you know, a play-in team that wouldn't have shocked me at all. That would have been like maybe even a success. Um, whereas now we kind of expect play-in at the worst which is a huge jump up I think if you think about where we were the last two years. Um, so again, like I said in part one, I don't want to get too ahead of myself. I don't want to get too um, high on the on a winning streak. We're on, you know there's all these reasons right now to be very, very high on the team when we're in the middle of this streak beating these good teams, you know whatever else. But um, I think that a lot of it is sustainable. It, like Carson said, we haven't shot that well in the last in, in several of our last few wins. Not just the Bucks win. There was one of the other games where we didn't shoot super well. I don't remember if it was the Knicks game or if it was uh, the Bulls game. But there's one of them yeah, where we Chicago. didn't shoot super well. It was the Bulls game. So yeah, we like there's been several wins that we've had, and there's one in the season tournament against uh, the Bucks as well, where we just didn't shoot super well. We shot actually like a atro- like pretty atrocious. Um, from three and still won games. So although we are to some extent live by the three, but die by the three, we've proven that we can win games against against contending level teams di- while dying by the three, quote unquote. You know, so that is the kind of thing where I'm like, well, I mean, if we can do that in the regular season, sure, some things change in the playoffs, but I I feel like it is a lot closer to a coin toss than than uh, what I would have ever said a few months ago. That's for sure. I will say this. As currently constructed, I think the Pacers are a tough matchup for Milwaukee. Yes. I also think that Rick Carlisle would coach the fire out of Adrian Griffin. I don't trust Adrian Griffin one bit. So I think that Milwaukee's kind of predictable with what they're going to do. But, you know, Rick Carlisle even alluded to it after the game on Wednesday. It's like, I think Middleton was on like a minutes restriction a little bit uh, against the Pacers. Like, I think he's the X factor for what they do because. Dame is such a liability defensively. Yeah, like he if if he's not scoring a lot offensively, like only 13 points in that first game against us uh, on New Year's Day, like mm-hmm. what is he really bringing to the table? Because defensively, you know, their best player probably um, on the perimeter is Malik Beasley. And that to me gives me no concerns whatsoever. So I, I don't fear that matchup. The only one I really do think I fear is just Boston. I, I mean, Philadelphia, I think that we proved that we can hang with them by the fact that we were able to stay with them for both games, actually won one game, and they were both in Philly, which is a very tough environment to play in. I just think that you could see how gassed Joel Embiid was. Now, it's going to be a very annoying series to watch if we were to play them just because we're going to be sitting there watching Joel Embiid flop all over the floor and get 85 free throws in the you know two-game stretch. But 
At the same time, I think that, you know, Carson, you talked about our depth. I think the Pacers have to rely on that. At the end of the day, that's their strength. And they might not be able to be a team that shortens up their rotation. Um, they, they might do like a nine-man rotation, but I don't think they can really afford to because they need so much from so many guys. And I think just having fresh legs is huge. But one thing I know that I've, whenever you count this Pacers team out, they always seem to prove you wrong. And, and that's where I kind of feel that with this team. Uh, I don't necessarily, I think they could as easily be a first round exit as they could be a team that makes it to the Eastern Conference Finals if everything broke right for them, like you mentioned, Carson. That, that's that's really where I'm at because I just I have so much belief in Tyrese Halliburton. You tell this man that he can't do something or this team won't do something, and he's going to prove to you that they can. The fact they got to the in-season tournament championship game, that was not good enough for them. And I think, honestly, losing that could be a little bit of a positive just because it kind of gives them that that feeling of, okay, we got here, but we weren't able to finish it. Now we know what it takes to to win big games and how are we going to adjust? And I think that Rick Carlisle is just such a smart basketball coach that he's going to maximize what this Pacers team can do in terms of schemes and everything. Like they have a really strong coaching staff that is going to outcoach a lot of other opposing coaching staffs as well, where some of these teams that have better talent might be able to out-talent us and that might win at the end of the day. I think if you look at a close up, like a close matchup, like, yeah, we've lost twice to Orlando at home and it was a blowout, like by 50 points almost. I think the first game and the second game was a little bit closer, but that was before they changed their defensive scheme, their new lineup. And if that were the case, then if you have a Jalen Smith in there with Miles and Neesmith, is that a little bit tougher for Paulo and Franz than going up against Buddy Heald and Obi Toppin? You know, no offense to those two guys, but. You have to just realize like the scheme defensively has completely changed since that last game against Orlando. So I'm not super worried about really anybody, but at the same time, if we were to lose a seven-game series to in New York, to to even Orlando, I, I would be disappointed, yes, but I wouldn't be shocked because this team is still growing. But at the end of the day, Carson kind of stole my thunder when he brought up the Hawks run with Trey Young. That's what I feel like this team can do. Um, and they did that with Nate McMillan as the head coach. And Nate McMillan has been uh, one of those coaches that is always underwhelmed, always underperformed when it comes to big playoff moments. For him to get to the Eastern Conference Finals, that says a lot. And so I just think that this Pacers roster compared to that Hawks roster is kind of similar in terms of how they're built and how they're kind of overlooked a little bit. People know that they're dangerous, but no one's going to take them seriously. And I guarantee you almost every national analyst will say, yeah, the Pacers are a fun team, but I'm going to go with the other team they're playing. And that's just going to give more fuel to the fire. And Tyrese Halliburton, to me, has a lot of Reggie Miller in him where he loves being the villain. He loves being the guy that everybody counts out. And we saw time and time again where Reggie Miller stepped up to those big moments. But this isn't even being, being disrespectful to Reggie Miller. Tyrese Halliburton is already way better than Reggie Miller was at this point in his career. So, you know you got that same type of Reggie mentality with a guy that's way better and gets everybody else involved. So uh, that's why I feel confident about this team uh, doing some stuff, but I also could see it going, you know, first round exit. So that's where I'm at with it. I think that's probably where I think we're all kind of at based on our conversation here. So it, it does make you feel good about this team, but yeah, I, I don't really feel I, I'm not just saying this could beat Milwaukee four out of five times in the season. Like I just think that matchup is one that benefits the Pacers more than I thought it would. And by them getting rid of Drew and bringing in Dame, they might win a game or two for that in, the, in a playoff series against Indiana. But I think if we're trying to talk about like who's going to outscore the other team, 
we can hang with them that way. And we've already proven that we can do different things to stop them. So Carson, that's why I'm not, I'm not really uh, fearing the deer as, as they like to say. Yeah. I think at the end of the day with, with the bucks, it's, it's one of those things where it, it kind of felt like this off season, like they were making moves to kind of overcome the heat and overcome Boston. Obviously the thing with Boston kind of bit them in the back because they gave up Drew uh, to get the guy that would help them beat Boston and then went straight to Boston. Um, but then in comes the Indiana Pacers. And so, and I know um, I, I agree with both of you that I think that that is a matchup that is just a pretty poor matchup for Milwaukee. And what is the one game that they did win? What did it take? It took Giannis franchise record in points in Milwaukee. Um, so, I mean, that's, uh, that's not very favorable, I think, for them headed into a, a, a playoff series against us. Now, I do think a, um, the reason why I brought up that rotation point, not just for Milwaukee, but um, maybe more so if we end up playing, like if we were to say end up playing a team like Boston in the first round, I think uh, when we played them in that in-season tournament game, we saw like Luke Cornett get uh, quite a few minutes and a couple other guys who are, are uh, not exactly playoff guys. Um, that you'd want getting heavy minutes. Um, but with how strong their front six is, um, I think Boston is one of those teams that's maybe more um, built for a smaller playoff rotation. But I definitely am in agreement that um, if we end up playing a team round one, you you are, are very uh, happy or okay with seeing the Bucks round one. Any final thoughts, David, on this conversation? All this conversation really just, just made me excited for Pacers basketball. You know, I got a little taste of it. I mean, we all have as fans. Um, I was at the Boston game for the in-season tournament and uh, have seen that atmosphere that the Pacers fans are bringing to this playoff basketball and seen the energy and um, enthusiasm that the players are bringing on the court. So I just want some more of it. And even if we're a first round out, which I think as Pacers fans, we have to keep that in mind that that's not a failure. It's probably a likelihood with a lot of these matchups um and although there is a lot of hope for you know getting through the first round um even just having a really fun and competitive first round series would be a huge step forward and a huge win for this team and i'm just happy and excited to see it making the playoffs will only make this team more attractive to other players to want to yes. come play here too and that's why it's like when fans are like we should be tanking we should be developing young guys and getting another draft pick do you guys really want to go through that again? I mean, we've done it for two years in a row now, and I'm kind of over it, and I feel like the environment we've seen from how this team was able to rise to the occasion against the upper echelon teams of the Eastern Conference to get to the in-season tournament championship kind of shows what this team is capable of doing, despite if they do it or not. They can, they can rise to the occasion and get to a competitive series against anybody, I think. So it's not like you're watching a team without Oladipo limp into the playoffs with, you know, Tyreek Evans as your best on-ball score. <laughs> you don't have to worry about that. Wesley Matthews in the starting lineup with Darren Collis and Bojan uh, getting triple teams, Sabonis, Turner. Like, it's not that group that was going up against Boston. This is a team that has a lot of really fun pieces on it. So as we close this out, Carson, any final words? Let's go Pacers. David, any final words besides let's go Pacers? No, let's go Pacers. Let's do it. All right, everybody, you heard it there. Let's go Pacers.
Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.